You're about to hear opinions that you may like. Then again, you might hear some that offend you. We don't apologize for that. This is American Viewpoints with Mike Ferguson. Over the past uh, several days, really a couple of weeks or so, there have been some eyebrows raised out of a conversation happening in California. And I don't mean to, to laugh because I know there's a serious disagreement over the topic of reparations, but some of the dollar figures have just got people, even on the far left, saying, whoa, wait a minute. I'm Mike Ferguson. I am now joined by Dan Morinoff. He is the executive director of the American Civil Rights Project, and there's a California Reparations Task Force. And what is it that they actually want the state government to do there? They have produced and will be uh, presenting to the state legislature and the governor at the end of June uh, a book-length answer to that question. It's 40 chapters long. One of the things that they are proposing uh, is, in fact, uh, a series of cash transfers. Uh, the On that one, and I think that's the one that's gotten the most attention, raised the most eyebrows, there, they've, they've suggested that that what's really needed is a two-tiered system. One, which would be like a, a truth and reconciliation commission that would have a claims process to make people whole for the harms done by specific California policies over the middle of the 20th century. And then there's this second set, because they don't actually set out how that first one is going to work yet. The second set is what they call a generalized system of transfers to um, anyone who falls into the class of beneficiaries, which they define as anyone descended from those enslaved in the United States. And they've added a second group of any descendant of an African-American free living in America before 1900. Um, So that's who and, you know, and these the what they describe as the down payment towards those groups uh, has been estimated to total up to something in the neighborhood of eight hundred billion dollars. So that's that's, I think, what most people have focused on. There are a lot of other proposals that are in this as well, ranging from free higher education for African-Americans in California at public universities to the repeal of their state constitutional prohibition on racial discrimination in admissions and contracting uh, to the creation of a universal single payer health care system committed to the, the, the achievement of health equity through, you know, racial triage of treatments. Uh, to the creation of a state-run agency that would run a parallel race-based banking system, as well as uh, a a grant program and a licensure regime. Um, And then there are other things that just got added along the way, like the proposal that you have uh, an election day holiday for the state or uh, prevention of highway expansion and climate resilience. You know, this whole third set is just things that that seemingly have no relevance whatsoever to the topic at hand. But as long as they were putting together a shopping list, someone thought they should throw it in. Yeah. Dan, when you talk about, uh, you know, transfer system of transfers, well, we, there's a lot of attention on who receives it, but transfers imply they state explicitly it has to come from somewhere. Has the conversation happened at all in California that reminds people California was never a slave state in the first place? Yeah, that's actually one of the things they try to cover in the book length treatise is why California should do anything at all, given that it was a free state that fought in the, for the union in the in the Civil War. And, you know, they have some interesting points there. 
Uh, they do point out that while California was admitted to the union as a free state, uh, there seemingly is a historical consensus that there are people who nonetheless brought, uh, when they migrated to California, enslaved individuals with them and continued to make them work for them. I, I think they estimate the number of that as 1,500 people. Um, I don't think anyone would seriously say that a material number of the African-Americans now living in California are descended from that 1,500 people. But uh, it's an interesting point. And uh, yeah, I'm not enough of a historian to tell you whether that consensus is accurate, but like it, there is some basis to it. Uh, but it, it, the, yes, it is affirmatively something that is being discussed. Why is California paying reparations for things primarily done uh, elsewhere to other people? Now, in the last few minutes we've got, we're visiting with Dan Morinoff from the American Civil Rights Project. I, I mentioned that it's hard to have a serious conversation when you have hundreds of billions of dollars being you know, talked about and million plus dollars per person. And it's really easy to say, show me somebody who was a slave and is still alive and let's cut him a check, because obviously that happened you know, long, long, long ago. Why is it so hard to have a legitimate conversation about disparities in outcomes and all kinds of different things, which I don't think anybody can argue exist without tying it to something as politically charged and, and economically ridiculous as, as this. You know, it's an interesting question. I'm going to take this in a slightly different direction. Um, it, 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 we're a public interest law firm. That's what the, the ACR project is. And um, there's only, there are very few areas of law where the Supreme court has ever indicated that it is legitimate for states or their subdivisions to use race in their programming. Uh, basically, there are three examples and only three, and only one of them is relevant here. That one is whether um, whether you are curing the harms of your own recent history of racial discrimination. And, and the court's been very clear that for that, it does have to be recent. Your program has to sunset. It has to have an end date. And uh, it has to be addressing what you did, what your policies did, not just general societal discrimination. And um, th th this is what makes this proposal actually kind of interesting that like the, the part they haven't honed in on with the sp identifying specific people to cure the specific wrongs done to them. There's a serious argument that that might in fact be constitutional. That might be just fine, but literally everything else in this and the fact that like they've, they've pegged it back to being, somehow related to slavery because, well, if there hadn't been slavery, then maybe there wouldn't have been the later policies. None of that works. I should say it differently. It is very difficult to imagine how any of that could conceivably be constitutional. Uh, I think we'd be in a much better place having the conversation about whether there are things that can be done to rectify specific harms if we actually kept the conversation to talking about what are the specific harms who actually suffered them and what should we do to those specific people? Okay. So what is the approach that the American civil rights project is taking in this? I mean, obviously you're doing awareness and education when talking to people like me, but when you get this proposal, when it's put out in June, what is, what is the role you'd like to have in that conversation? Sure. I, I and I should highlight this, right? Like there's this thing that is going to be released at the end of June. And it is a report from a specially tasked single uh, single assignment entity that has no legislative authority. The real question here is, what is the state legislature of California going to do with that? Are they going to do anything with it? 
Uh, and at this point, the, there's at least some reason to doubt that they actually intend to do anything with it at all, right? Like the, I've, I've seen reports that the the governor of California has actually indicated and then backtracked and then re-backtracked that, um, that, well, these are much larger problems and cash payments, that's really never, could never solve them. Uh, so, you know, it's quite possible that, in fact, they're just, their intention is to do nothing with this. And um, to the extent that I'll, I'll give you one other thing that's in this report that I think actually highlights that 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 was always the intention and plan. Um, the last proposal I'll mention that's in it is that a copy of the book should be sent to every member of Congress as well as the president. I don't think they ever intended this to be a, a, a actually considered and enacted as a legislative program by the state. This is a publicly funded lobbying campaign. The whole point here is to try to shift the Overton window nationally and convince the president to take more aggressive administrative actions that are race-based and I would say also extremely likely to be illegal and unconstitutional. Uh, if the legislature actually passes something, then I think it's very likely that my group or other groups like my group uh, would sue and enjoin all of this. But there are a lot of these that are are facially uh, race-based policymaking and extremely hard to imagine how could be constitutional or how any court in America could approve. All right. And where do we find the American Civil Rights Project uh, online or social media? Our website is uh, AmericanCivilRightsProject.org. All right. Uh, I really appreciate you being uh, on the program here, Dan. Thanks so much for the time. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Just ahead, we had one of the strangest news items of the week with former President Donald Trump being found liable for a sexual assault and defamation. What does this mean to the presidential race? And frankly, what's this mean to the bigger picture of the news cycle? We'll talk about that just ahead right here on American Viewpoints.